For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject our spiritual journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. This is part 15 of the series. So now let's remember the purpose and the desire of the God of Israel in bringing his people out of Egypt. He didn't bring plagues upon Pharaoh in Egypt only for the purpose of having his people put the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts, which spiritually and prophetically foreshadows the death of Yeshua on the tree and salvation in him. But he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt to take him to the promised land. And the specific destination in the promised land is Jerusalem or Mount Zion. Spiritually, Jerusalem or Mount Zion represents making Yeshua Lord of your life and seeking to do his will in your life. So he brought us out of Egypt, which is a type of the world and the world system, in the shed blood of Yeshua when he died on the tree, that if we would repent of our sins and accept Yeshua as our Messiah in his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins, we now become a member of his family. But he did that so we could be servants of him and servants of his kingdom. And as servants of his kingdom, we will be faithful to the king who has instructed us how to live our lives on a daily basis to be pleasing to him, which means to follow his Torah and keep his commandments. And he wants us to seek to do the will of God in our lives. And in being a faithful servant unto him, we will bear fruit for his kingdom and bring glory to his name. So this is the spiritual meaning and understanding of why the God of Israel brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, wherein their destination was to go to the promised land. So, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, it is written, And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there, that is the land of Egypt, that he might bring us in, that is the promised land, and specifically to take us to Jerusalem or Mount Zion to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. So in the wilderness, the children of Israel went through 10 tests in the wilderness. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 22, it is written, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these 10 times, and have not hearkened or listened to my voice. So the spiritual lesson that we learn from the children of Israel, given that when they failed the tests in the wilderness, that generation could not go to the promised land. Likewise, 
we will not see the promises or the will of God fulfilled in our lives if we fail the tests or the trials and the afflictions and persecutions that come upon our life in our wilderness of life. In Numbers chapter 14 verse 23 it is written, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me or failed the tests in the wilderness see it. So now let's go through and examine in detail Israel's ten tests in the wilderness. And these represent, in principle, the same tests that all of us will experience when we live our lives as well. So test number one, it's when we choose the comfort of known life over God's promises to us regarding the future, of which we have not seen yet manifested in our lives. In Exodus chapter 14 verse 10 it is written, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Continuing in Exodus chapter 14 verse 11, And they said to Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore have you treated us this way, or dealt thus with us, to carry us forth out of Egypt. Continuing in Exodus chapter 14 verse 12, Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians, that is, their known life, which they're used to living, than that we should die in the wilderness, which means go on a journey to the promised land of the God of Israel, or to believe and trust the promises that he's given us if we will seek to do his will in our lives. Test number two, how will we handle the bitter experiences that come into our lives, or those things that are unpleasant to us? In Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 24, it is written, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, which in Hebrew means bitter, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, or bitter, because they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. So Exodus chapter 15, verse 23 is a word play in the Hebrew wherein Marah in Hebrew means bitter, and the children of Israel had only found bitter water. So as a result, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 24, the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So bitter water spiritually represents bitter experiences that come into our lives, which causes our flesh to murmur and complain regarding our circumstances. Test number three, we have fear that the God of Israel won't provide, which is represented by the hunger of the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 16 verses 2 and 3 it is written, And the whole congregation murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And they said, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. In other words, this represents when things are going well with us. For you've brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. In other words, you're trusting and believing in the God of Israel. But you encounter a situation which you perceive is going to make you uncomfortable and perhaps not meet your needs. Physically represented in the children of Israel through their hunger. 
Test number four. Will we follow the Torah of the God of Israel and of Yeshua as he gave it and in the way he instructed us to obey it? In Exodus chapter 16 verse 4 it is written, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I might prove them or test them whether they will walk or follow my Torah or not. So the instruction was to just gather a certain amount every day. It continues in Exodus chapter 16 verses 19 and 20 as it is written. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. In other words, gather a certain amount and don't save any back. That was the instruction. However, we see in Exodus chapter 16 verse 20, notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. In other words, the people did what they thought would be best for them, rather than obeying the instruction of the God of Israel. So what the children of Israel were to collect a certain portion each day was the food that the God of Israel gave them from heaven. And this is called the bread from heaven. In Exodus chapter 16 verse 4 it is written, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain portion or a certain rate every day, that I might prove or test them whether they will walk in my Torah or not. Now Exodus chapter 16 verse 15, And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, which in Hebrew means, What is it? Because they didn't know what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. So in referring to the children of Israel being fed manna from heaven, called bread from heaven in Exodus chapter 16 verse 4, we're now going to see that manna prophetically is a type of Yeshua. We can see this in John chapter 6 and in verse 32 Yeshua in speaking with the Jews said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. He goes on to say in John chapter 6 verse 33, For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. Continuing in John chapter 6 verse 35, Yeshua said, I am the bread of life. In other words, he's saying, I am the manna. I am the bread of life. I'm the bread that came from heaven. I'm the bread that was sent of my Father to give food or life unto the world. So Yeshua said, He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. So next we can see Yeshua repeats his statement of John chapter 6 verse 35 in John chapter 6 verse 48 when he said, I am the bread of life. And then continuing in John chapter 6 verses 50 and 51, This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, that is, believes in Yeshua, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, or he's going to give his life and die on the tree which he says, I will give for the life of the world. So back to Exodus chapter 16 verse 15 regarding the bread from heaven that was given to feed the children of Israel in the wilderness. It says, and when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they didn't know what it was. 
So manna is the Strong's number 478 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. It's the Hebrew word man. And it literally means, what is it? So when Yeshua says, I am the manna, I am the bread that came down from heaven, the response of the Jews was, who is he? We can see this in John chapter 6, verse 42. And they said, is not this Yeshua, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? Historically, the children of Israel in the wilderness were given meat to eat, which is translated as flesh, as well as manna, or bread from heaven. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 8, it is written, And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. So the word flesh is the Strong's number 1320. It's the Hebrew word basar. And basar means flesh. It could refer to human flesh or animal flesh. It also means and refers to the body itself. In addition, it's the Hebrew word for meat. So the Strong's number 1319 is also the Hebrew word basar. And there are various places in the scripture where basar is translated as good news, glad tidings. And this word is often rendered in the New Testament as gospel. So the connection of this word basar to food or meat and the understanding of it meaning to announce good news is anciently the people that lived in the land of Israel, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they lived in tents. And they often had to hunt for their food. So in order for the family to be able to eat, the man of the house, when he went hunting, had to bring back food. And when he was successful in his hunt for food, he would come back and tell the family that he had food and thus announce good news to them. So next we're going to see a couple examples from Isaiah where the Hebrew word basar is translated by the King James as good tidings. And good tidings is rendered in the New Testament as gospel. In Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 it is written, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, basar, that publishes peace, that brings good tidings, basar, of good, that publishes salvation, that says unto Zion, your God reigns. And then in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 it is written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings, basar, unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. So in John chapter 6 verse 55, Yeshua said, For my flesh is meat indeed. So Yeshua was doing a word play on the Hebrew word for flesh, which is basar, which also means meat. For in John chapter 6 verse 54, Yeshua said, Whoever eats my flesh. So what did Yeshua mean by eating his flesh? Well, remember that flesh in Hebrew is basar. And basar is translated as good tidings to announce good news. And in the New Testament, it's translated as gospel. So when you eat something, it goes inside you. And when it goes inside you, you become one with it. And so eating something and becoming one with it is in principle the same when you believe something. Because when you believe something, you then make it a part of you. You become one with what you believe. So this is how, in the deeper meaning, Yeshua was doing a play on the Hebrew of the word flesh, basar, which means gospel. And when Yeshua made reference to eating his flesh, the spiritual meaning was believing in him as the Messiah. In John chapter 6, verses 52 to 57, it is written, The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
Then Yeshua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, in other words, unless you believe that I am the Messiah, and drink his blood, that means to enter into covenant relationship with him, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh, believes that I am the Messiah, and drinks my blood, enters into covenant relationship with me, which happens when you confess your sins, and repent of your sins, and accept Yeshua's shed blood for the forgiveness of your sins, that whoever believes in Yeshua and enters into covenant with him has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. In other words, he that believes that I'm the Messiah and enters into covenant relationship with him has established a personal relationship with Yeshua and is a part of his family. Yeshua continues, As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, he that believes that I'm the Messiah, even he shall live by me. In other words, you will walk as he walked. You will live your life after Yeshua's example that he showed us. So historically, in the wilderness, the children of Israel murmured because of their circumstances and their situation, and they brought their complaint to Moses and Aaron. We can see this in Exodus chapter 16, verse 2, as it is written. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Then in Numbers chapter 14, verse 2, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? And so what was the Jews' response to Yeshua's words, which they did not spiritually comprehend? Well, we can see it from John chapter 6, verses 41 to 43. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Yeshua, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? Yeshua therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. Test number five. Will we keep the biblical Sabbath? In Exodus chapter 16, verses 25 and 26, it is written, And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days shall you gather it, that is the manna. But on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. However, the children of Israel in the wilderness disobeyed the instruction regarding the Sabbath. For it says in Exodus chapter 16 verse 27, And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day to gather, yet they found no manna. And as a result, in Exodus chapter 16, verses 28 and 29, the Lord said to Moses, How long refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore he gives you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Test number six. As I'm living my life and going through the trials and the tribulations in my life, sometimes we wonder if the God of Israel is still with us, just like the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, it is written, And all the congregation of the children of Israel pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why do you tempt the Lord? Now in Exodus chapter 17, verse 7, And he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah, which means strife and contention, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? 
So what happened once the children of Israel questioned whether the Lord was with them or not? Well, we're told in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Amalek was the grandson of Esau, and Esau fights against Jacob, or the nation of Israel. And when did Amalek come and fight with the children of Israel? When they doubted whether the Lord was with them or not, when they were literally at a place called Rephidim. So let's understand the spiritual meaning of Amalek fighting with the children of Israel in Rephidim. We can see the spiritual connection through Gematria. So in order to understand Gematria, we need to understand the principle that every Hebrew word has a numerical value. So there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and five final letters. And each letter has a numerical value. So each word in Hebrew, if you add up the letters in the numerical value of each letter, you will get the numerical value of any word in Hebrew or even any phrase in Hebrew. So adding up the numerical value of a word or a phrase in Hebrew to help you to understand a particular spiritual meaning is called gematria. So the value of the first 10 letters of the Hebrew alphabet are 1 through 10 respectively. And then the next 10 letters progress in units of 10 from 10 to 100. And from there, each letter to the end of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the Tav, and then continuing with the final letters, their individual values increase by units of 100. So this principle is explained in the book, The Inner Meaning of the Hebrew Letters, on page 16 by Robert Herlich where he explains, Biblical words with the same gematria sum, especially words in the Pentateuch, will support the revealed meaning of the letter. The total or full gematria of a letter is obtained by spelling out each letter in the letter's name and summing up the value of all the resulting letters. So based upon this principle, we're going to take the Hebrew word Amalek. And if you take the four Hebrew letters that spell Amalek, it adds up to a numerical value of 240. If you take the Hebrew word for sefek, which means doubt, it also has the numerical value of 240. So in Hebrew gematria, Amalek is equivalent to sefek. In other words, Amalek spiritually represents doubt. So when the children of Israel doubted whether Yahweh was with them or not, then came Amalek. And where did they fight Amalek? Literally in Rephidim. So what's the meaning of Rephidim in Hebrew? Once again, from the inner meaning of the Hebrew letters on page 76 by Robert Herlich, he explains that Rephidim, if we break down the word in Hebrew, is a combination of two words. Rapha, the root meaning to be weakened, and Yadim, the plural of Yad. And Yad in Hebrew means hand, power, or strength. So Rephidim means weakened power or weakened hand or weakened strength or to be disheartened or discouraged. So when, whenever you doubt whether God is with you, it's because you're discouraged by your circumstances, which humanly causes you to want to doubt. So this is the spiritual meaning to Amalek fighting the children of Israel in Rephidim when they doubted whether Yahweh was with them or not. Test number seven. Will we engage in following after the God of Israel with mixed worship of him, which is idolatry? In Exodus chapter 32, verses 4 and 5, it is written, And he, referring to Aaron, fashioned it with a graven tool after he had made it a molten calf. 
Well, that's going to conclude part 15 of the series on the subject, Our Spiritual Journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.